All right. What's up, everybody? I'm just waiting for Luke to get on. Running late. Hope everybody's doing good. Um, This is episode number 34 of Finding Neverland podcast. Here he is. Mr. Luke Weaver. Oh, man. How you doing, man? Good, dude. Good. It's the end of the week for me. Wee. Nice, man. How was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good, man. Uh, well, interestingly enough, man, we did a um, custom Thanksgiving, I think, because uh, Wednesday night we cooked some steaks. They were in the freezer. We thawed them out, just had a steak dinner, and then Thursday we didn't do nothing. And then we were supposed to have, we still cooked turkey and all for guests to come over, but then they ended up not coming over because of the snow. So we got that in the fridge. It was just like a custom deal we did for those days, for those few days. That's cool. I what about you, dude? You went down. My, somebody at my church was talking about how their family did steak for Thanksgiving too. So <laughs> you're not the only one. Dude, they, they were over the, uh, yeah which i mean i can understand like i always you know when i still ate ham and things like that i don't eat that that stuff anymore but ham was always way better than because it's not as dry and it's like mm-hmm. dang right you better have a honey glazed ham or something or this ain't even yeah. a meal right now <laughs> yeah i'm not really huge on ham or turkey so i, Either I like one. turkey a little more i think but yeah, it's good. I, if you... I, pref- I prefer turkey on like a sandwich and mayonnaise and mustard right. rather than just like the Thanksgiving where we just eat it dry <laughs> with some gravy. Yeah, make us... yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. I mean, cranberry sauce really just doesn't cut it still. Yeah. But we were doing that too. Yeah, it's good. Rocked it out. Yeah. Can't cool. Be... Uh, so, uh, yeah. Number 34, um, we're going to be talking about the parable of the prodigal son, which me and Luke were both like, didn't we already do an episode on this? And right. I guess we didn't. I think we just talked about it, which is cool. Oh, but, dude, I, yeah, I totally looked. It doesn't look like we talked about this yeah. uh, in general. You know, um, I noticed that there's like a few parables surrounding this one that all say the same thing that Jesus wants to hit home on, um, yeah. contextual. And so I thought that was really neat. That it's all in one little spot here. Just it was in it was in regard to the Pharisees uh, thinking and saying all kinds of things like he's with sinners. Um, you know, this just we can't accept this. You know, how does he go home every night and, and eat with sinners? Um, just yeah. he's not a rabbi you know and he wanted to correct he wanted his disciples to know at least uh this is how i think of humanity this is how god thinks of humanity i'm glad to be back we're back on the podcast um yeah we took last week thanksgiving off and then you did an amazing one last the week before that on can we trust the bible so everybody go check that one out because that one's really good so far, Thanks. it seems like out of nowhere, it's been our biggest episode. <laughs> Listen, people, people want to know. Yeah, well, people want to <laughs> know, can I trust my <laughs> I guarantee yeah. you people people are just like, can I trust my Bible? I want to see what this yeah. is. Yeah, I wonder if people, a lot of people are just like, I, I haven't even really asked that question. You just kind of, mm-hmm. you just kind of assume, but um I think you dived in deep on a lot of those things, especially I really enjoyed like the the thoughts of all the prophecies that were fulfilled that we can. There's a lot of external evidence that you can bring up about it. I mean, internal evidence is fine if you have some sort of uh, basis of faith to go off of, but most of the world and people who aren't believers, internal evidence doesn't mean anything to them because they don't that it is the word of God they don't believe it's true to begin with so if you say because the Bible told me so or you know I just know because the Bible John three sixteen, they don't 
they, that means nothing to them. So you have to show external evidence, and you have to show the historical uh, accounts of these uh, writings and, and how crazy accurate it is to today's. I mean, it's like aside from a little bit of a, a like con, like a little bit of jargon and uh, accents that they use, it's uh, pretty verbatim, you know, word for word what we have today from the from the uh, oldest translations we've been able to find that have been preserved. Um, and no other document in history is like that. Yeah, so I think um, this one, I was going to just read the parable, kind of like how we've done before. i just read it. And then, yeah, yeah we'll go through the, the parts um, that, that we like, I guess. Um, It's such a good parable. Um, yeah, so he's talk. So this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Is this the Sermon on the Mount, or is this different? I'm not exactly sure. I just know he's talking. Uh, he's talking. He's talking. He's just doing his normal preaching, and tax collectors and sinners kept coming around him, and at the beginning of chapter 15, and then that's when the uh torah teachers and the pharisees are like look he's just all he does is hang out with sinners and like he has no like us he has no separation between him and the sinners and the people who just do all kinds of evil and um he's going he's actually entertaining them and he eats with them um and then further down in chapter 15 i think starting at uh uh verse 11 is when he starts talking about the prodigal son <coughs> Or, uh, yeah, we, we definitely talked about the one where uh, he says it's like a man who found a treasure, uh, un, you know, unburied a treasure, then covered it right back up just to go buy that plot of land. So, yeah, own that, own that treasure in the kingdom of heaven. You know, that was the kingdom of heaven parable, um, right? That they're all so similar to one another. Um, we can go back to these other two, um, <clears throat> and, and 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 just give this some more context, um. After we read the prodigal son, if you want. Yeah, so this is um, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. If you guys want to read along. So it says, um, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and then and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he came so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he was he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. 
Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is now found. That's the parable. Nice, nice. I love that, man. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, just ultimately, I think, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees because I think these religious leaders who have done everything since the time they, they were old enough to read the Torah, they've done everything to follow the law, uh, kept themselves from godly ways and sin, and they see Jesus <clears throat> appear on the scene as a, as a rabbi, who is a Pharisee, basically. He's a rabbi, a teacher of the law. Um, he performing, he's performing miracles and saving sinners from their uh, lot in life, so to speak. And they can't believe, if this person is from God, why is God showing more compassion to the people who don't care about him than the than them you know um, they feel like they've been slighted why wouldn't jesus every single night be hosting a party for them um saying you know yeah you're really doing it you know you really followed the law and you're really pleasing god and this is the parable he's telling in respect to i just don't think the pharisees saw the sinners that, that he was associating with as redeemable yeah and that's our father likes to break the rules and i think that's what jesus just kept doing breaking religious rules and this story just kind of shares that um by the way he yeah. this lost son yeah the way the world works you know um yeah just you know just some some insights that i had about it um uh, you know the the uh the inheritance that he asked for, um, you know, respectfully asked for, you know, it's, it's about a third of the wealth of the family. And as soon as he could, it says he converted it to cash because he was going to go blow it, you know, and the father knew he was going to do that. And this is God. This is the image of God giving us free will, the free will that allows us to actually mean what we say when we say we love God or we choose to obey him and when we choose not to obey him it gives it credibility otherwise you know we wouldn't have any weight towards our obedience if we didn't have the complete right to disobey so um he knows his son's gonna do this and he's just like okay I'm gonna let you do this you know anyone in their right mind would have said no you're not getting it you know from the world anyone in general, no, you're not wasting that money. You're not wasting that. I know you're going to go waste it. Um, you know, it just it shows God's love, knowing, uh, you know, crossing these boundaries of, of, you know, worldly standards of like, no one else would have treated him like that. Um, no one else would have received him like that. Also, and I and I also notice, you know, like when he squanders all of his money, uh, you know, he was probably, you know. Uh, big man on campus for as long as that money was lasting he was partying and whatnot and, and having a good time as soon as he ran out of money nobody wanted anything to do with him he had to latch himself onto this man who gave him a job basically um, but it even said then he wouldn't get no one would give him anything to eat basically you know it wasn't like he had a meal every single night and uh you know to long for the pods that he was feeding the the pigs which is honestly slop you know um yeah. it's not even edible humans but he was so hungry 
Um, but I think it's interesting to note that he remembers the the father that he left. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think this is a yeah. story for non-believers and believers as well. It's not just people yeah. in the church who come to know the faith. I think it's actually encompasses uh, believers and people who don't believe or follow God also because it's showing the, the love of, of God and uh, in so many different ways that it's not, it's counter to how the world treats us. And it doesn't matter if you're a believer or not a believer, the world's going to uh, chew you up and spit you out. It doesn't discriminate. Uh, the devil doesn't discriminate. The evil in this world doesn't discriminate. Oh, you are a Pharisee? You know, oh, never, you know I'm not gonna mess with you. Oh yeah, you, you're gonna be blessed your entire life. You know, or you, oh, you are a drug addict. Yeah, you're going to be completely cursed your entire life. Um, that's the way the world wants it. So, yeah. really counter to that, I think. Yeah, that's good, and I, I really enjoy how we we see how in the story, the young son he just asks for for it, and the father gives it to him. So we kind of see mm. that that idea that when we ask. When we ask God, He's a loving Father. He wants to give us His inheritance, and so, um, yeah, his, it, it, it seems like the Father in the story was quick to give him what he just asked for. He didn't even know what he was going to do with it, really, or maybe he did. I don't know, but um, that's interesting that the young son kind of like knew all he had to do was ask, and his father would give him what he wanted. And the, the older son didn't do that. Like he, he had to be like, son, what I have yeah. is already yours, you know? Um, so that, so I find that interesting that, um, I don't know. Yeah. The relationship was probably, was probably his favorite, you know? I mean, people have faith, you know, parents have their favorites and it's just not even a secret, you know, like that's my, Little, my, that's my baby or something, you know. Um, and uh, of course, yeah, you're right. The son didn't think he uh, was given the same amount of credence or uh, status in the family, even though I understand his resentment. And I think a lot of us want to attribute our, our our own situation in lives to being the prodigal son. But how many times have we been the older son where we stood outside while everybody was partying in resentment he would not go inside it said um and he this and he this is from him working in the fields when his son when his brother arrived he didn't even know he got there yet he was out there working in the doing what he's been doing his entire life providing for the uh the, the family you know making money in the fields and so imagine how he felt when he comes back and he hears a bunch of partying going on and he's just like what is going on and the servants have to be the ones to tell him what happened because the father didn't even bother to go out in the field and tell him hey your son came back i mean i mean your brother came back it was time to party he was inside partying with everyone he invited everybody he could to the party and you know when it says uh you know heaven rejoices over one sinner that turns from their sin than one per- righteous person who you know already is is uh is, is on that path of righteousness but mm-hmm. um with the chief parable, you know, earlier, but, uh, I just think it's interesting because, uh, you know, he, this is, this is a couple other insights I I had about it. Um, when it says the father saw him a long way off while he was still a long way off, the father started to run to him and in Jewish culture. And in those days, especially it was unbecoming of the patriarch of the family to, do those type of things like you don't run you don't you know as a as a as an elder as the father in the family you don't it's kind of beneath you to run out to somebody like that throw your neck around them and kiss them like that and it's just unbecoming of the culture so right away god's saying look i break these cultural boundaries uh the world's idea of how i should receive you because right you sinned most of your life and you continue to sin daily uh so i should forsake you right that's the that's the world's idea that's the devil's biggest lie and he's showing i'm breaking these cultural boundaries here and the other part 
that goes along with that is the father comes outside to talk to the older son and you don't leave the party if you're the host of the party you don't it's extremely disrespectful if you're hosting a party like that in that culture to leave the party uh and and like exit the house where everybody's uh celebrating you are the host of the party you know you you don't do that so he he breaks that boundary and comes outside to talk to the older son saying look you know and he wants him to understand this is the other thing that's interesting to me yeah it's not oh he's just being a you know uh he's just jealous or whatever you know he doesn't just leave him at that he wants him to understand what happened and why he's doing this for for his brother and that he should be he should be tremendously uh overwhelmed with joy you know like he is uh and and why why shouldn't he be and wants to explain that to him <laughs> so um the cultural yeah. thing you know the, the all this is in there for a reason i think um it was beneath a rabbi to be eating with sinners according to the pharisaical uh doctrines they had and the religiosity that they had set up um so uh all this kind of ties in together they looked at yeshua as some radical uh just imposter that didn't didn't follow their ways and jesus was like look that's who cares about their ways this is god's ways that's good yeah and it's interesting to see that the father he runs to his son which is which yeah you said is like breaking cultural rules as i was kind of saying earlier he's breaking these rules and then and then we see the younger son he has this like whole speech you know planned mm -hmm. to like okay i'm gonna say this to him like i'm gonna, I'm gonna mm -hmm. and i like how like you don't even get to the whole the whole thing right like it's kind of like god saying like i don't even care about that like i'm not even like listening i'm just glad you're back with me like that's all i care yeah. about you're with me and so uh i love that i love that it seems like the <laughs> like his speech doesn't even get to be finished like he's just he starts saying his speech and then the then it says um the father said to his service bring out the best robe like he wasn't even listening to his speech he didn't even like care what he had to say um right you know, he just wants to bring out the best robe put it on him put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet i love that um i love that thought that um you know absolutely our mistakes in the past you know how many times have we come to god in prayer and been like gosh god i'm so sorry for this this and this and i'm sorry for the way i'm acting and you know and he's just like what are you talking about let's move forward let's go i'm just glad you're back with me you know come come back with me and let's let's move forward let's i want to put a robe on you i'm not just trying to we're not just we're not doing religious church here we're doing you know i want you to be my son like let's i want to put a, a new robe on you um oh yeah yeah oh that's yeah you're right yeah i was just when you were saying that man i was like you're you're absolutely spot on with that because I'm sure, you know, like all of us think, you know, if we fall away from God or we fall away, you know, we don't talk to him as much or whatnot. His son's already has in his mind, okay, I'm not worthy to be his son anymore or be called his son anymore. So I have to have an excuse for why he brings me back as at least a higher servant where I can have a meal every, every night. And the father by the time he's running out there to him is already like, okay, I got to get a ring on his finger. I got to get a robe on him because in the father's mind, he was always his son. He never stopped being his. Uh, and the, in, in the son, in the son's mind, he's already like, okay, I'm not worthy to be, you know, and, and it was just, it was all about restoring that, uh, that relationship that like, and you can imagine this is, this is the crazy part. I think, about it like this the father was probably looking out as the sun was going down every single day he was looking out the way his son had left thinking maybe he'll come back today you know he's he's just looking he's watching you know it wasn't it wasn't hey where's dad at you know i can't find you know where's dad at? he wasn't 
he didn't have to find his father. His father was already looking out and while he was still a long ways off. And it's like, well, how many people, believers and non-believers, how many of us are a long way off? And God's like, don't even worry about it. I'm going to meet you before you even get to the house. I'm going to be, I see you and I'm running to you. I'm running towards you. And uh, the other the other thing that kind of lines up with that is the son realizes it says he he got up you know after realizing i can go beg for servanthood he gets up and goes home he just makes a decision instead of you know just wallowing in his in his own pity he decides i'm gonna go take this action now and i think that speaks a lot to our own uh free will and it's our it's our duty to uh go towards god we have to make the decision and we have to move towards god believers or non-believers it's just not going to i've had those thoughts in my head like why won't god just you know uh intercede in my life and then i'll know okay this is what i'm supposed to do or and it's not it's not the way he wants it he wants us to use our free will to give it that power that it demands which is our sacrifice and our choice to choose him over a life apart from him. Yeah, I see that distinction in this story of God's not just wanting you to be a servant. He wants you to be a son. And I, I'm, I'm learning the difference between those two lately. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's so many people that are just like, I would say like people who just go to church and are just serving, but they're not getting to know God. They're not, they're not, um, obeying him. They're not getting to understand his heart. They're just serving. And I just, I just feel like in this passage, in those passages, God's, you know, telling him, Hey, I have more for you than just to be a servant of me. I have more for you than to just go to church and attend church and, talk about me and hear about me and, and maybe even like write about me or whatever you know i want i want more than just that we're not we're not just you're not just a servant you're my son you're my beloved son and um yeah i think that's something that we can all understand is maybe there's a lot of us that feel like we're just kind of like in that and i see it i hope they don't hear this but at my church i see a lot of people who are just serving at the church and they're just kind of going with the motion and they're just serving and they don't really even know why anymore. And I could just see it in their eyes. They're not, there's not that sonship. There's not that deep sonship that their relationship with, with God that is just driving them. It's just kind of a go with the motion. I've heard all the Bible verses. They're not getting a, they're not getting that sonship relationship um, from God. And I, I just, I just have so much empathy for for those people that are maybe like the the older brother that are serving and they're just doing it but they're not getting that like relationship that sonship like they're you're worth more than just serving the lord he wants to share his heart with you he wants you to be his he wants to put a new robe on you um he's got more for you um yeah, totally, man. That's, I mean, both both the sons, it seems like, had no full understanding of what their father was uh, in relation to them. Um, it seems like uh, the younger son thought, okay, I can't come back from this, um, which any one of us would think that probably, especially you know, as a believer, those thoughts sometimes, like, I... I I can't be forgiven for these things or uh, for doing that. And uh, that's just the enemy telling us those lies. And then you got the older son who distinctly decided he made up his mind to believe that his father would not have done the same thing for him. And all this while he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and uh, I think he's exaggerating in a lot of ways because he's just resentful towards his younger brother. But uh you know his dad's just like he doesn't even really pay it too much mind he doesn't argue with him or anything he just says look you know 
you know that's wrong. You know, he just tells them the truth. You know, you've always had everything that I have. Um, you know, just dispelling that uh, that false. I mean, but but they're believing the worldly uh, standard of how we should conduct ourselves and treat one another. And if you you know uh, fool me once, you know, but you're not going to fool me again. And uh, thank God that He does not have that same. Uh, strategy or same way about going about the relationship with his people, uh, his creation. So, there's another thing that I was thinking of. Um, I remember when I was when I started serving at at my church, working in that the ministry there. Um, I was really dejected because it seemed like mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the people who had worked there or um, you know been attending the church for a long time seemed very uncomfortable with me and I, I was just I'm just like I can you know I, I seem you know I can be pretty on fire for the Lord and just be really eccentric sometimes with people and and um mm-hmm. you know just share my heart vulnerable like in a vulnerable way with you know anybody <laughs> that wants to listen and um I was getting really um dejected with some of the people seeming like you know they didn't like me or they just were you know uncomfortable with the way i was um you know on fire and talking and you said something in a text that made me feel better was it was just you're like there's a little bit of an element of prodigal son here where where people in the church you know have been serving and working very hard for many years and then a newcomer comes along and you know the pastor's you know saying how much he likes me and um you know he's excited that i'm there and and it makes it builds like this resentment with the people that are already there serving um for years and i just um i and so yeah so i want to say thank you luke for opening my eyes on that and just being able to see how see the like the the empathy that i have towards people who um just aren't um, pursuing the father in a way that's um, fulfilling them yet, I guess. Totally, dude. Uh, and that's just a uh, bottom line. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, that's catching fire with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when uh, Paul talks about a lukewarm, a lukewarm believer or a lukewarm church and, um, the church he was telling that to was uh, called Laodicea, which literally means lukewarm because the town had a spring, but the water was not hot or cold. It was just really warm water that they had in the town. So that's all you got um, in that town. And uh, so it was just fitting that he was like, look, the church here is very lukewarm also. You guys aren't doing nothing. And uh, so when somebody calls that out, um, especially Jesus himself says, if you, you know, if you're, uh, you're going to be lukewarm with me, I will spit you out of my mouth because you're not hot or cold. Because if you can see, if you're cold, at least you can be heated, heated up. You know, um, if you're hot, you're already on fire and I can, you know, if the soup's hot, I can eat it. Um, but if you're lukewarm, who knows, like you can heat it up, I guess, but it's just been sitting there for a while, like just not hot or cold and spoiling basically. And that's what Laodicea, because that town, the, the waters they had, I think the reason was they didn't have flowing water that would allow it to be fresh either. So the water was kind of putrid and just kind of uh, boggy. And so that's where that town got its name from was waters don't, uh, you know, like the difference between a pond and a lake is a, a lake has water going in and out of it so it's constantly being fed and, and and released and so you have fresh water coming in but a pond is stagnant you know it's stagnant faith and uh when people see that uh that, that on fire faith that comes from the holy spirit uh and nothing nothing else and, the, and, and it's just so great to hear you say that uh you know, you have empathy for that, for that, because most people res- turn around and resent those people um, yeah. and say they just don't know God like I do. Uh, 
you know, and then like, well, I'm going to take the dust off my sandals and I'm going to leave them in a, you know, they can go be miserable with their faith. It's not even, you know, warm basically. Um, and, uh, honestly, that's just not, man, we really want to, we really want to kick. It's the only believers that want to kick each other when we're down or something. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think the best act, uh, course of action for that is, you know, because most people don't want to change that, that much. They're, they're comfortable where they are. It's just about living by example and trying your best to, to show God's light. And, uh, you know, you'll have the rare, the rare minority that really want that too. And they'll be like, man, I need to get with, with what he's got going on, you know, and they'll watch you, man. Like there's people watching every one of us. And I don't think we think about it that much, but they're looking at us to see if it actually works or not. And this is non-believers. Believers are all like, well, he seems to figure something. He seems to have something that I don't have. And either they want it bad enough or they're just content with that. Uh, going through the motions and things like that. But the empathy you have, I, you know, we should have as much empathy for that in the body, in the bride of Christ, than, you know, as we do for the people who are lost and don't know God. Yeah. I believe we should all recognize that we're all sinners and we should have, you know, empathy and, and intercede to God to, you know, pray for the, those people that, they'll find their way even if they're lost also um you know just because just because uh you know i'm following christ now doesn't you know make me perfect i'm not i'm still a sinner too so we're um you know we're all in this together i feel like um yeah the other thing i was thinking of again on that topic of uh servant or or actually being a son of God, which is the, which is really on my mind this week, <laughs> you know, working in ministry, seeing a lot of people who are just serving, but they're not really, you know, in sonship with God. They're not really um, fellowshipping with the Lord. They're not, um, you know, living to be obedient. They're just serving because it, maybe it's just something that they've always done. Um, I was thinking about in 2015 when, you know, Maddie Montgomery came to see you and spoke that was kind of just like, that was such a life changing event for me that I, I, you know, began to see that, um, you know, God was after my heart. It was evident because I had just started listening to Maddie, um, in his sermons. And then, you know, literally like the next week he's coming to speak and it just was really, you know, an eye opening thing. Like, Oh, there's this God that's, <laughs> that's really after me, you know? Um, and it really, it really, right. me out, honestly. Um, but, I lived off of just that moment for like the next four years. Like I didn't, I didn't like, you know, I didn't pursue God or anything. I just, you know, I saw that moment with Maddie, with Maddie and it was just like, it was just so awesome. And, you know, I became aware that God is there and God is after me and God wants my heart and cool. I love Jesus. Like, you know, and, but nothing really happened until, you know, I started to, until I really w was like the prodigal son and, and, you know, um, you know, got addicted to alcohol in a way that was extremely terrifying. And, um, and I just remembered that feeling of when, you know, that, that closeness of God that I felt when Maddie came and spoke and, you know, I was, you know, I was on fire for God for maybe like a month after that and then went back mm -hmm. to living my own way. Um, and I think everybody kind of goes through that, you know, you're on fire and then, and then it, maybe it fades away. Um, and you almost need like this, this, uh, this second baptism, which, which, um, Maddie talks about also, which the, the like the, the people of Israel, um, there's a whole story on it. I can't even go through it all. But um, there was a moment where they went from servant to sonship, uh, the people of Israel. And so I think that's just kind of a, what oh, yeah. we as Christians go through is we're just kind of serving. We know about God. We know he's there. But we don't dive into that life lifestyle of sonship where we, where we give our life over to him and we absolutely are... Um, now we live to be obedient for him and now we want 
you, you know, we, you, you know, now I pray and, and I'm doing everything to try and be just obedient to his plan. And it's giving me so much joy and excitement. And, um, it's just a different lifestyle. It's a different, <laughs> it's like a kingdom lifestyle. There's like this American Christian lifestyle of knowing about God and serving and going to your church and making sure that you, you know, maybe tell your kids a Bible verse or two. And then there's this kingdom lifestyle where Jesus isn't just the first thing in your life. He's the only thing. He's everything. Um, and it's just kind of, I'm starting to see that switch. And um, I just really, I see that in this story too. Yeah, uh, that's funny you bring that up because I heard that same thing where I think it was Maddie who said that too or something. He was just like, okay, number one in my life is Jesus and Jesus. And he's like, how about there is no number one, two, three. There is only Jesus. I was like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, there's a good pastor named Paul Washer who's like, who talks about that. He said somebody, I think he... He was talking about how he hears all the time people are like, oh, I, I make God first in my life. Make sure you make God first in your life. And he was like, actually, that you're you're wrong there. Like he should he's in a totally different category. He's not in a list of things in your life. He's supposed to be in a different category where there's only one there's only one person that goes in that category. And it's Jesus. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Nobody else is, goes in that category. If you have if you start to put other things in that category. You know, like the Bible says, you can't serve two masters. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I really, I think Maddie did say that, but you know, Paul Washer talks on that too. Is like you're wrong if you're already if you're already just saying, oh, God's first in my life. It's like people should already know if God's first in your life. I think you know we shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't have yeah. to say it. I think if he, if he's really first in your life, you wouldn't even have to say it. It's almost like you're just like projecting at people like, oh, God's first in my life. You know, it's like, I, th yeah, I yeah. think, I think if we're living kingdom in a kingdom like culture, like with, you know, people know Luke, that you serve who you serve, who you love, you love Jesus. People know that without even having to like ask you, it's not like a part of your life. We see it as people know that. Um, I think that's an important distinction of the Holy Spirit in their life is like people don't even have to ask like Maddie Montgomery people didn't ask him like he talked about that people didn't ask him or give him cocaine and alcohol because they already knew who he served like they, a lot of a lot of Christians Jesus was just a part of their life so they were like oh well maybe they'll drink with us maybe they'll do some right. cocaine with us maybe they'll maybe maybe they'll sleep with this girl but with Maddie people were like we're not even going to ask him. Like we already know the answer is going to be no. Like we already know who who he serves. Jesus is his life. Yeah, and, and then also at the risk of him completely breaking it down for him and saying, "Look, this is why I don't do this." They were like, "No, thanks." <laughs> they were like, "I don't want to preach. I don't want him to preach to me." Yeah. Um, you know, kind of thing, but uh, just having compassion for those who don't understand also, and just like the destructiveness of sin, and, and when it says the wages of sin is death, um, can't you feel it? You know, the, the, the sin, no matter how big, takes a part of your, your heart, and it, and, it, and it dies, and it's like, we need that renewal of uh you know, the forgiveness of God, and we need to uh, constantly be in communication for that renewal, uh, you know, understanding that he forgives us. And I just think about the this the prodigal son story again, where he went out and, you know, he lived really fast for a short amount of time with the amount of money that he had. And then once it was over, it was like, oh, I'm screwed. Yeah. Uh, that's what the world's promising. Uh, the world's promising do you want to be here for a long time or a good time? You know, you'll hear people say that stuff. You'll hear people flippantly say, I know I'm going to hell, but uh, all my friends will be there and, and things like that. And they just don't understand what they're saying. If no, they, they won't. Do. 
back yeah. to you. It's just, uh, and, and of course, you know, people will say, well, you don't know what happens when you die. And I'm like, I've got a lot of evidence of people that say they know what happens when you die. You know, there's a lot of it, especially in today's technolo- technological, uh, just go look up some of this stuff on the internet of people with near-death experiences or that died for 20 minutes and were brought back. Uh, look at some of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about those very things uh, coming to pass when 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 the soul leaves the body, um, and just but just understanding that uh, you know we need to be filled daily, and I think that's the the lukewarm aspect of the faith is uh, this is for believers, and I'll say something for non-believers real quick. But uh, the lukewarmness of the faith is because you're not being fed by a stream a fresh stream of water and it's becoming stagnant and the parable, I mean, uh, the, the, the story of when Jesus meets the woman at the well and tells her, you know, uh, you know, draw for me a pail of water. And she's like, uh, you know, or he, and then he eventually tells her, you know, if you drink the water that I give, uh, you will never be thirsty again. And that's what he's talking about is, uh, your still, your soul will never be dehydrated again from this sin and this death that comes from it but um and then for for non-believers um you know just look at the look at the evidence it's like uh, you know karma and things like that which i think is a real thing but i don't attribute it to the eastern religions and and i think it's a real thing because what you put into the universe is what you get back from it and god says it all throughout the bible and and uh Solomon says it in Proverbs so many times that uh, you know whatever you whatever you put out you're going to get back like tenfold, and it's usually going to be a lot worse than what you put out. So if you put you if you if you put bad energy on somebody, you're going to get it back like twice, if not more, back, and it's going to be even more <laughs> more of a, a a a hurt that you put on them. It put this put on you also. And that's just the law of the universe. That's the way God has it set up. Um, you know, go out there and put, you know, go out there and rob a store and see what kind of energy comes back your way eventually. Um, there's like 10 different things that could happen to you immediately after doing something like that. So, um, you know, for the non-believer, just take all these things into, um, don't stop at the Eastern religions of karma and like, oh yeah, do good. And, and then good will come to you. And honestly, you know, just, just take. Why don't you start listening to some of the things that Jesus said, where he says, you know, treat others as you want to be treated, um, and that's how you should love one another. I can't Go remember. Ahead. I heard it from. I might have heard it from Maddie, or might be John Bevere. I can't remember. I get them mixed up because they're friends and their sermons are pretty similar. Um, might be John. Uh, it's a story about this man named Larry Mullaney. Mm-hmm. And it's out of this book called The Furious Longing of God by Brennan Manning, who is <clears throat> who was a, a a professor in a college in Ohio. And he tells the story of this man named Larry Mullaney, who was a student in one of his classes. Um, so here it is. It says, in his book, <clears throat> The Furious Longing of God, Brennan Manning, who was the professor, tells the story of Larry Mullaney, a student he encountered while teaching at a small university in Ohio in the late 1960s. He describes Mullaney as an outcast whose appearance and demeanor isolated him from fellow students. Not sure what that means exactly. I don't know if he was like, I don't know, just weird looking or, you know, maybe he was poor, maybe he looked poor. I'm not really sure what that means, but it just says he was an outcast whose appearance and demeanor isolated him um, it says, in all my days, Manning writes, I have never seen anyone with such low self-esteem. Mullaney was a self-proclaimed agnostic who challenged Manning on matters of faith in their continuing conversations. One Christmas, however, there was a change in Larry Mullaney. He returned home to Providence, Rhode Island, to his father, whom he had a strange, who he had an estranged relationship. Manning described the student's father as a typical lace curtain Irishman. Um, meaning that he was a prime and proper man who in the midst of the hottest summer day would dress in a suit and tie to come to the dining table in his own home. His expectations for his son were not being met. 
and their time together often interrupt often erupted in disagreement. As was their usual pattern, there was conflict and resolution, yielding unsatisfactory results to both men. After a few nights at home, Larry announced to his dad that he would be returning to Ohio the next morning. Um, the father asked what time the boy was leaving and declared that he would ride the bus with him as far as the father's office where the son would have to change buses for the last part of the journey to the airport. They traveled in silence that morning until the bus came to a stop in front of the textile factory where his father worked. Both men got off the bus and expected the kind of goodbye that neither would be fulfilled by. Before they could speak, however, a group of men across the street began to make fun of Larry's appearance, calling him all sorts of names that were brutally cruel. Larry had, Larry had heard them before and expected nothing more than to board the second bus and leave his father behind with the taunts of these men, perhaps a reflection of his own father's feelings. Then something happened that had never happened before. The proper lace curtain Irish father embraced his son for the first time in his life, kissed him and said, Larry, if your mother and I live to be 200 years old, that wouldn't be long enough to thank God for the gift he has given us in you. I'm so proud that you are my son. It was a different student that Manning encountered upon his return from Christmas break. His, de his demeanor changed, even his appearance, as he seemed to have a different outlook on life. It says, not long after, Larry Mullaney came to Brennan Manning's office and said, tell me about this man, Jesus. Over the next six weeks, the two men shared, and when their time was completed, Larry said, okay. And with that, continued a genuine search for an authentic faith. Um, it says he was in... Uh, Larry was ordained a priest a few years later and spent more than 20 years as a missionary in South America. Um, it says, do you know why this happened? Manning asks. He concludes, it wasn't because of the six weeks of sitting in Brendan Manning's office while I talked about Jesus. It was because of a day long ago during a Christmas vacation when his lace curtain father healed him. Yes, his father healed him. He looked deeply into his son's eyes, saw the good in Larry Mulaney that Larry couldn't see for himself, affirmed him with a furious love and changed the whole direction of his life. So I hope you guys got all that, but um, I just, I really love that, that story of his dad telling him, if I live to be 200 years old, that wouldn't be long enough to thank God for the gift he has given us in you. And yeah, I just think it's beautiful that, um, you know, it's kind of a metaphor of our Father in Heaven. The way He views us is just, um, it's it's not based on performance. It's based on that we're, we're God's Son. Like, no matter what Larry Mullaney would have done, he was still, he was still, the son of his dad. His dad loved him because he was just his son. It didn't matter what he looked like or anything or what he had done. And, you know, I'm thankful. I know I have a lot of empathy for, there's a lot of people that don't, that have parents that are very performance based and, you know, you try and earn their love by performance and it just seems to never work out. Um, and it's frustrating. And a lot of people resent their parents because it just doesn't seem like they can do enough to earn their love. And I'm thankful that I have a father, an earthly father that, um, you know, no matter what I do, he's he he loves me because I'm his son, not because of anything that I've ever done. And I think that's what we see with our Father in Heaven is um, like you're not going to change God's mind about about what the way He sees you. And I think that's what Jesus is really talking about. But that's why He kept talking to the Pharisees so much was they were trying to earn, you know, performance based things. And I think. Jesus was just trying, it was just harping so hard on them just to be like, you know, your father's love is not based on the, your performance. You're not going to, you're not going to earn it. You're not going to earn the right to be in heaven. And that's why he sent Jesus down to, so that we can be with him. Cause there's nothing we can do. You know, there's nothing that we can do to, um, to earn, um, salvation. Right. So um yeah i really just I, I don't know i just i really like that story because it was it's just we can see how his dad was just like son i'm so proud of you to be my son 
There's nothing that you can do to change my mind on that. And that's just like how God is. Um, yeah, Yahweh's good and he's, his love, he doesn't, he's not changing his mind about you no matter what is going on, no matter what you've already done. And you're not going to earn his salvation. Jesus, Jesus paid the debt already. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I mean, he didn't change his mind about the entire world when he sent his son to die. Yeah. Yeah, for God so loved the world, right? Yeah, oh, totally. I, I mean, and now the devil's biggest lie that he can try to tell is, uh, well, he gave up now, so. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's another He's like, enemy scheme. Yes, that was true. Yeah, is, is trying to change our identity. Like, we're, we forget that we're made in God's image. Like, we're, we're meant to be his son. Um, and so we're constantly being told, like, oh, your gender is messed. Your gender is wrong. Oh, your co the color of your skin is making you um, a disadvantage in this world. Like we're just constantly being bombarded with things that are just like trying to screw up our identity, and we forget that we, um, which Shiraz City talked about in the podcast a few weeks ago, was our identity is constantly being attacked. That's the enemy scheme. But if we remember that. Um, that he sees us as our beloved son already, like just like, just like when Jesus was uh, baptized, you know, he called him his beloved son, whom I am well pleased, and he hadn't even done anything. Jesus hadn't even performed anything; he hadn't even started his ministry yet. He just said he was already pleased. So I guess we're out of time, but it was a good, it was a good episode. Um, Pretty. And pretty rich. You got any announcements? Or I think we skipped over that. Yeah, we didn't even. Yeah, we didn't do anything. Um, really don't have much to like super update us with or anything. Um, trying to get uh, our music lined up so we can start yeah. having some practices. Um, you know, worth to say it like three times now. I think we found another guitar player that we're gonna uh, bring on, and uh, just it comes down to getting all that music lined out so that we can practice and learn the guitar, and uh, we'll be one step closer to hitting some live venues soon um, and just yeah. getting our feet. Because uh, of course we know there's a lot of people that want to see us come over certain spots. Uh, you know, just don't let us forget about them because we'll just we'll just start out locally, of course, probably. You know, don't let us forget about where you're at. You know, where where you might want to see us come through, and uh, we'll we'll definitely be making notes about that stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. We um, we also have a like a Cyber Week code if you want to buy merch, twenty five percent off. Um, I think that goes till Sunday night. Um, but nice. if anybody has trouble with that, let me let me know. It's it's uh, the code's like walk the plank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> that's good. So if you use that, you'll get twenty five percent off on any of the merch. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so if anybody has any trouble with that, let me know. But uh, yeah, I think we. I think we got it. We got, we dove in pretty deep in this parable. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, it's been a good yeah. one. Glad like to be back. Man. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, me too. yeah, let's just, I guess uh, we'll say, I kind of forgot. I've been off the podcast for like, feels like three weeks or something. So I'm like forgetting what we're doing. <laughs> um, now you're fine. Well, we could pray. We could say a prayer um, and go from there. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Um, you are holy and we just love you so much. We're just so thankful for this story of the 
the prodigal son and we get to see these uh, these um, the story just helps us see where we are in our lives and um, we see that you're a father that you break the, the rules that we we put these boundaries these cultural boundaries that we put um, you break right through them um, You're calling all of us to come back home. Um, we were all made in your image and you want us all to be home with you at your table. And I believe you're inviting all of us to, in a celebration, to be with you because that's what we were made for. Um, Father, I thank you so much for the, the mercy in, in my life and in Luke's life that you've given us and given us this ability to be able to um, share your word on this show and this podcast and um, to others. And I just pray that you continue to, um, to just pour your heart to us. We want to hear your, we want to hear what's on your heart and we want to just do what you what you want to do. We want to go where you're going. We want to, we want to say what you want us to say um, we want to say what you want people to hear um, I pray that we continue to just to just hear your voice and just go where you're going um, no longer is it about us it's about you because you're good there's nothing that we've been able to to do to earn your love and you're just your your arms that are just stretched wide open and you run to us when 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 we've been far away, you're looking for us from a distance the entire time. Just like in the story where um, the father was looking for his son um, well before he even got into the house. And so, God, we just thank you that you're, you're so faithful. You're so welcoming. Um, we love you. We thank you that you're able to redeem us, redeem um, people like me and Luke who've um, been in both those situations. We've been, you know, the prodigal son who's, um, you know, been, a, you know, spent our money on alcohol and things like that and worldly things. And we've also been this frustrated um, servant and we haven't felt that, uh, we haven't, you know, dived into that sonship that you, you offer us. And so I I just thank you that you continue to give us mercy and, and grace. And um, we, we desire that sonship relationship, not just the, not just this dull church attendance, servant lifestyle that we see um, in American Christianity culture. We want, we want more. And you promise us that there's always more. There's no end to your increase. Yeah, I just I just pray that we can continue to. Um, we just want to be with you. We just want to do what you say and, and um, go where you're going. Um, yeah, we're so thankful. This is uh, Thanksgiving holiday past. We're just uh, I'm just very grateful and, and, and excited for what you have planned for us and um, in this band or, or, or whether it's just in our in our lives. God, we want to just give you full control, and um, I pray that um, any anxiety or depression just gets thrown to the wayside because you're good and you you have a plan for us that's exciting and uh, full of joy and peace. Um, yeah, thank you, Father. We bless you. We love you. Thank you so much that we can come onto this podcast and, and share the story of the prodigal son. Um, thank you that you're not you're not so worried on the on our past. You just you just you just want us to be with you again. And, um, you know, I pray for anybody out there who might be feeling stagnant in their their faith journey, or um, you know, maybe they're uh, maybe they're. Um, feeling like the older the older brother in the story and they just they just don't um, they don't see the fruits of of uh, 
um, of uh, what they're doing in ministry or in their life. And God, I just pray that you call them back and you remind them that that you are always with us and what we are, what all that, all that you have is ours too. We're, we're being called to an inheritance uh, in a relationship with you. And we thank you, God. We love you. Um, we bless you. And um, I pray all this in the name of your son, Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Um, thanks man that was good yeah thanks for listening um follow us on our on our social media pages um hopefully we'll have some new music soon and um you know we're just uh we're just on this journey man with uh the lord this year's been pretty cool i was just thinking about how our podcast is it's almost the end of the year and it's going to be about a year of us doing this podcast so that's pretty crazy right um, we're closing in on that so uh, cool till next week we love you guys um, let us know if we can pray for you we'd love to um, thank you for anybody all of you who bought our merch and are listening to our songs and encouraging us we got some encouraging uh, comments this week telling us thank you for um, you know playing music for christ and stuff so those always help so we could we use we we're fueled off of any encouragement so it's always helpful yeah totally yeah <laughs> okay love you guys we'll see you next week um yeah till next time sounds good sounds good love y'all